the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennady. It is Monday, January 15th. It's an all NFL show. As you might imagine, we will talk about Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. We will talk about Dallas and Dak Prescott and Jerry Jones and Bill Belichick and all the roster moves that Dallas may need to make over the next couple of weeks, not only to get cap compliant, but to stay relevant in the NFC. We will talk a little bit about the Chicago Bears and that NFC North division that I'm yet have yet to attack in our division series, but I have primed and ready to go. And a few other things that have trickled into the NFL world over this weekend, a big weekend. And of course, it's going to be dominated by the Dallas Cowboys discussion and what's next and what are, what's going to change. I'm here to tell you that there may be a big top layer that changes, but roster wise and what these contracts say out loud, I'm not sure a hell of a lot more should change in terms of players in and out but the numbers may look a heck of a lot different. That's next. All right, let's start with the good first. Green Bay Packers manhandle the Dallas Cowboys on the heels of Jordan Love's official breakout. It's here. It's been nine straight weeks of really excellent play, culminating with a perfect passer rating yesterday in Dallas and an official verdict on what's happening next year in Green Bay, which is A, he's back. And B, there will be a new contract for Jordan Love. So the mini little bridge that took us into 2023, got them out of the fifth-year option decision, put Green Bay in a better position cap-wise and flexibility-wise, has now successfully run its course. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Um, Jordan Love will make about $9.8 million in 2023 plus some playoff bonuses here, of course, in terms of playoff salary. All of his bonuses, I want to make sure this is stressed, all of his bonuses that have been earned that we've been talking about for weeks now are escalators, which means they they don't get paid out now. They get added to 2024 salary. So his salary is now $10.5 million for 2024. It's an $11 million total payout right now in 2024. And that's not enough. Okay, because his agent is David Mulligetta, and that agent has taken quarterbacks to very, very high levels, financially speaking, and he has put his foot down for them, and he has made sure that they don't go another step inside of a facility without probably being compensated, and unfortunately for the Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love has done more than enough to deserve that kind of treatment this offseason, so if and when... Green Bay is bounced out of this postseason in the next week or so. That will be priority number one. We'll be figuring out what the heck to do with this Jordan Love contract. There's a little bit of proration to take over with it, about 1.7 per year for the next four years. Other than that, it's a start over. It's a start over. And we're talking about something in the likes of five years, six years, at 45 to 48 million per year, which is tier two, which is where Jordan Love is right now. You know, he's not Patrick Mahomes. We're not trying to put him on that pedestal. He is an above average top 15 quarterback in this league. And he has statistics to back it up now because much of what he earned has to do with the fact that he was top 16 and he was top 10. All right. He's a top 10 passing yards, top 10 touchdown passes. Certainly looked as much yesterday in the the postseason. And the more postseason games he wins, the more next year's salary escalates at least for now so it's all just happening in front of us right um we're getting to a point now where there's really no discussion anymore 
you're going to have to do this. There's uh, the value has run its course. And by the way, the value came by keeping him as Aaron Rodgers backup on a rookie contract for a very long time. Something that a lot of teams just refuse to do anymore. But it certainly has its pedigree. All right. We've seen players do this now sparsely and turn out to be successful quarterbacks almost immediately hitting the ground running. It's, uh, it feels like science, right? I hate to, I hate to bring the expert into this conversation, but maybe these guys just need a minute, you know, CJ Stroud, I guess he didn't, you know, freak athlete certainly has the capacity mentally to handle this, the situation, the pressure, and the ability to scan the field quickly and make decisions. And he's got an orthodox style of play, sort of like Mahomes, that is just kind of taking over the league right now. We'll get to Houston in a second. Uh, I mentioned some quick numbers there with Jordan Love. Just mathematically speaking, if I throw him into our projection tool, he's going to be right around that mark, the mark that we've been talking about. So he entered the postseason at around 43 and change in terms of evaluation. It's now at 44.8. So agent and player are walking into Green Bay and Brian Gunacus and saying, all right, we're starting at 45, you know, if you want to get us into the fifties and we set, we have to tack another year onto this, we'll do it. All right. Because that's the other thing he's done is waiting. Right. So if, if anybody's going to take a Kirk Cousins type approach, this is the guy who can go short term, fully guaranteed, get in, get out. And you deal with the roster elsewhere, something Minnesota's been able to, to navigate and other teams should be able to navigate. I'd love to see it. It's not his agent's style. Generally speaking, these are blockbuster deals. But we've, uh, we've seen a variety come out now. And somebody's going to go down that cousin's path again. Somebody will. We haven't quite seen it yet. But this is the agent who locked into Sean Watson to five years, $230 million fully guaranteed. I'm not saying Jordan loves even close to that kind of threshold because the circumstances don't call for it. I just want to throw everything on the table here that this is the array of possibilities that exist now because of who the agent is because of what this team is because of what Jordan love has done. And because of where we're headed now in 2024, uh, a situation where the bears were supposed to be the darlings, Minnesota was supposed to be taking that next step with Kirk Cousins on an expiring contract, and that unfortunately blew up in their face with his injury. And now the Lions kind of become the poster child. Right? They are the, the team to beat as they advance on to the next round. Rightfully so. They are explosive offensively and probably set to spend 30 to 40 million in free agency on fixing that defense with three to four players. So it's a uh, it's theirs to lose at this point in time. And the Packers now know that they are in the Jordan Love era. And they have a young arsenal that's going to be dirt cheap for them. So how, how quickly can they resuscitate maybe a defensive line? Certainly some, some help in the secondary for Jair Alexander over the next couple of months here to, ver to validate Jordan Love being on $50 million a year. Because the window closes quicker than you think. You know, players like Josh Allen are entering a year in 2024 where the Bills can walk away from this contract after 2024 in terms of how the dead cap and such are structured already. It feels like that contract was yesterday. All right. And that thing has slid down the rankings more and more every month. 
So it, it closes quickly, which is why if I'm Jordan Love, I'm okay putting the three-year extension on this thing fully guaranteed. Why not? And you know, by the way, as a thank you for doing that, we'll keep 2024 nice and low where it is. Fully guaranteed, which it's not right now. Fully guaranteed. But we'll maximize cap space this year. Use a nice big signing bonus because the Packers are one of those teams that generally does not guarantee future salary. So you're going to have to slide most of this guarantee into either guaranteed roster bonuses, early vesting roster bonuses, or just upfront signing bonus. Now, they have been known to, to break structure at times. They are not as rigid as some of these other teams have been over the years. But this is going to be a unique situation for them, as all Aaron Rodgers' contracts were going back. So there's certainly a precedence here. I'm not saying they don't know what the hell to do. But it's a fascinating conversation because it's not something that the Packers are going to feel like they have to do, but they know it's something they, sh they should do, and they will be forced into doing by all parties involved. All right, let's get to the negatives. Dallas bounced early. The world is burning around them. Uh, the coach may not even be here by the time I finish this podcast. We know how that works in Dallas. The defensive coordinator was already set to leave for Seattle, according to all the reports that I follow. Uh, I have to imagine that's going to be the case after yesterday's clunker, which means brand new regime, except for it's not, right? Because the Jones still run this damn show. And by show, I don't just mean Jerry Jones sitting in front of a podium around a radio show. This is still Stephen Jones as the major operations football, you know, football decision maker in this in this in this holding pattern. So if you think Bill Belichick's going to come in and take over total control, something I've heard quite a bit of, even though I don't understand it, it's not going to happen in this regime, in this franchise. Will he be allowed to work simultaneously with Stephen Jones? Sure. And I actually think there's a friendship there. And I actually think that this is one of those rumors that has been percolating now for 72 hours that actually makes a heck of a lot of sense. And now knowing what Dallas has done yesterday or hasn't done yesterday, takes it to the forefront rightfully. It feels like actually this is something that should happen, not something that could happen. So I'm operating right now with the notion that Jerry Jones has already sent for a private jet to get this guy, Bill Belichick, into the front office to at least discuss how this operation would work for two years right? For however, however long Belichick wants to continue to coach. I believe he's what, 14 wins away from toppling Don Shula's mark. So there's, there's a lot of reasons to go to a winning team. Dallas wins regular season games. Let's not, let's not forget that. This is an annual division winner, an annual 10, 11, 12 winning team. So that alone is attractive to, to, to somebody like Bill Belichick. Not to mention, like I said, there's a kinship there with the, with the Jones family. Um, they would be willing to play ball a little bit in terms of operational decisions with this guy because he's earned that right, even though it's kind of stinks at it. Here's the thing. I'll layer all that over here and just let it be because, I, again, I'll say it again. I, I actually think that's probably something that should happen for all parties. That doesn't change, in my opinion, any of the moves that we've been talking about or any of the decisions or discussions or possibilities that we've been talking about with Dallas now for the better part of a month because they're one of the more fascinating off-season teams and not just because they generate clicks, right? They are on the precipice of some major, major, major decisions, which should turn to major contracts. 
We noted what Dak Prescott should make. And the reason it's, we're here is he's on an expiring contract with the second highest cap hit in football at $59.4 million right now. That has not changed. There's a $5 million roster bonus due St. Patrick's Day. That has not changed. So timing is of the essence here. There's two months for Dallas to figure something out. It's as easy as left or right. Left is they sign him to a four-year, $225 million extension. And right is they convert that $29 million salary and the $5 million roster bonus into signing bonus, tack on four void years, and leave Dak Prescott on an expiring contract with the lower cap it for 2024. And I don't think he deserves that. Uh, he was an MVP candidate for most of 2023. Certainly was not yesterday. But I could understand it. I could absolutely understand Dallas taking that approach. Now, you're talking about upwards of 45 to 50 to 40, almost $50 million of dead cap voided in 2025 if you're processing that restructure. So you are leaving yourself with an absolute mountain to deal with when Dak Prescott's contract expires. I'm not sure that's something you want to get yourself into. And I don't think Dak Prescott has played poorly enough to justify getting yourself in this hole. Because much of this roster is a winning roster. And I would include him right now. And I know the playoff numbers are there. And a lot of people that are screaming the hell of a lot louder than I am right now are going to be talking about that for the next five days. I, I just think Dak has him over a barrel here. He's not, he's not, he hasn't played poorly enough, consistently enough to justify the, the salary conversion that leaves them with a mountain in 2025. But he hasn't played elite enough in the right spots, right, against good teams or in the playoffs to truly justify going for $56 million a year for the next four years. It would be vanity to put him on that number. In fact, mathematically, he's about a $50 million player in our system, and that's regular season numbers only, just to get that out there. So he's a top five quarterback, financially speaking, in our system, but he's not the number one, and he's not really approaching it. He'll be 31 next year, next season. So that's not of concern. He looks healthy. He looked like he had a very, I thought he had a very consistent, little less running, right? A little more passing. I thought the game plan was good. It looked a lot differently than it has without Kellen Moore. I mean, the guy threw for 4,500 yards, right? Average 265 a game, 36 and nine on the TD interception ratio. So if you just put his numbers in a bubble, you're loving them. He's a, he's a top tier quarterback. So for me, I'm, I'm biting down on my tongue, even if I'm Bill Belichick walking in this door. By the way, when's the last time Bill Belichick's had a player like this? Okay, you know when. And the extension makes more sense. And if I hate it in two years, I'll eat some and I'll trade them. All right, this has, to, this has to follow the NBA philosophy and not the old school NFL philosophy, but I know Jerry Jones loves to operate under. So I get it. It's a bad taste in our mouth. You don't want to even consider the, the, the possibility that Dak Prescott's going to get $225 million in a couple of weeks here. It's the right business decision. 
It's not my money, right? It's the right business decision to extend Dak Prescott and take care of your salary cap right there. They're about 11 over right now, Dallas. I just finished the offseason report, and there are a lot of moves that can be made here. And, and by the way, this is one of those teams, despite what we saw yesterday, this is one of those teams that I didn't gut with possible releases and possible trades. I have a couple of each of those inside of my predicted uh, salary cap clearing possibilities. And I've done that for every team, at least to some degree. I've tried to, I've tried to find some creative way with some player to either trade or creatively restructure a contract, et cetera, et cetera. So in Dallas's case, just to tip my hat a little bit on these, on these articles that I posted, I'm extending Dak Prescott. Michael Gallup to me is the decision because his contract does not say release me yet. This is year three and he's got 34 passes in 17 weeks. He, he played every week. So if injury was the issue, it wasn't this year. It was simply he has fallen out of Dak's favor. But dead cap wise, it makes very little sense to just outright release him. So you're either going to post June 1st him, which doesn't help you in March. Or you're just going to convert his salary. And, and let him play out 2024, which is probably the best approach for everybody. It's 10, it's 10 million cash. Right? It's actually a little bit less cash than he's made over the past couple of seasons. So tacking on a couple of void years and converting the salary on this one is probably the better business move, even though on the field, this player is not a $10 million player. He's just not. So maybe he's an October trade. You know, Maybe he's a possibility to be traded right now. I don't think so. It doesn't feel like... He has the juice to be traded right now with that contract. But I can just tell you right now, outright releasing him doesn't do a whole lot much for you. It doesn't really, you don't lose cap doing it. So maybe they take, they just kind of wash their hands and, and essentially make no financial gain to do so. They just want the roster spot. I guess that's option three. In my opinion, I'm not letting CD Lamb walk into the facility with the fifth year option staring in front of him. It's fully guaranteed. It's almost 18 million. So it's good coin, right? It's more coin than he's had over the past couple of years for sure. Uh, this was the official breakout of CeeDee Lamb. He's now a top three wide receiver in this league. And I don't think that's very arguable at this point in time. And he was one of the lone players standing out yesterday when nobody else was. So you know that's how special this guy is. Is he rises to the occasion even when literally no, no one else on the team does. You're going to have to extend him. And by the way, doing so will lower his cap it, which I said is almost 18 million. It's no joke what his production is, do, is showing right now, right? Generally speaking, our mathematical projections come in low because we are using prior seasons, prior contracts, and then slightly adjusting for the current cap situation, which I do feel is the right approach. What it doesn't account for is the intangible stuff or logic at times. And by logic, I mean, Dak Prescott is worth 50 a year, mathematically. But logic says his agent's going to walk in the door and say, look what this guy has done for this team for a long time. And oh, by the way, you have to do this because his cap hit is 60 million. There's logic outside of math there that says the agent's going to have them over a barrel to get to 56 million a year. So CeeDee Lamb, just mathematically, is a $28.5 million player in our system, which already makes him the second highest paid wide receiver in football, ahead of Devonta Adams, behind Tyreek Hill, if you want to call Tyreek Hill's 30 million real. 
That's what he's done over the past two seasons. So 31 is the number, <laughs> okay? All right, we're talking four for 125 here, 124 and change. And I don't think, I don't think Jerry Jones and company can even bat an eye at that. Again, it's going to lower his cap hit, which helps the overall process for 2024. And you keep one of the best wide receivers in football around for three years fully guaranteed. So that's going to happen. And CeeDee Lamb should not approach Dallas facilities until that happens. Brandon Cooks did enough to warrant staying. You can convert his salary and free up about $5 million. Here's one of the trades. Jalen Tolbert. I, I, I like this kid. And I think Dak Prescott does too. So I, I have some hesitation in moving on from him. But I think he's got trade juice. He's one of those gadgety type players that I think can move across and, and be an end around force and things like that. All the things that we've seen CeeDee Lamb do for this roster, unfortunately. I, I think he's salvageable elsewhere. You can free up almost a, almost a million dollars of cap by moving on. And you might be able to secure yourself like a fifth or sixth round pick for this kid. Because I do think that he's valuable to somebody else as a WR2 possibility. So um, I'm dangling his carrot a little bit this offseason, seeing what I can snag back. Because with expensive contracts comes the need for more draft assets. That's how you stay relevant and deep in this league for 18 weeks. Excuse me. The offensive line is where things get weird. All right. Tyron Smith is expiring right now. He's, in a, he's a pending free agent. He can still play at a very high level. He has been expensive for forever. This was like a gigantic contract eight years ago. And the injuries are starting to pile up, unfortunately. So you're going to have to replace what has become essentially your starting left guard. Um, he's played some right tackle, some right guard. He has bounced around because he's that freaking good and talented. But Tyler Smith is the left tackle of the future. Zach Martin can be, he's fully guaranteed in 2024 on a really high contract, but you're going to restructure him with void years for 13 million freed up and keep him on your line. And Terrence Steele's fully guaranteed next year. And he didn't play well, but he's going to be around. So there are some bigger decisions to make. You probably have to replace two offensive linemen on the starting line this offseason alone. And again, that's probably priority number three behind Prescott and Lamb in terms of order of operations this, this February and March. Demarcus Lawrence has all the analytics working for him. Now, he doesn't have the sack numbers that he's had in the past. What he has is a 20, 20 million plus cap hit right now. Um, you can free a lot of it up by releasing him. I don't think Dallas has the capacity to release him right now, unless they plan on spending their first round pick on an edge defender. And I think there are, like I said, offensive line uh, stuff to figure out before you should be talking about an edge defender. And by the way, this team can't stop the run. So if they want to use number 23 overall to take a run stuffing defensive tackle, I don't think anybody's going to bat an eye at that either. So it's a, it's a salary conversion for Demarcus Lawrence. I'm releasing Leighton Vanderesh, who just can't stay healthy. I'm salary converting Trevon Diggs and Donovan Wilson in the secondary. And I'm releasing punter Brian Anger, who has been excellent. But I can free up $3 million of cap by doing this. They need it. If they want to bring him back on a modified contract, that's fine. But at least for March 17th or March 13th, excuse me, I want that $3 million of cap space in my back pocket. So like I said, not a lot of carnage. And it's more new contracts than, than subtracting contracts right now. And that's why this team is discussable. Because <laughs> these are three... High, I, I didn't even get to Micah Parsons, whose contract will, you know, extension will not lower his cap hit. But 
will be as prolific as we've ever seen in football. You know, we're talking Nick Bosa and then some. So that's coming, and that's cap that they're going to have to be able to take on to increase Micah Parsons' salary significantly in 2024 and beyond. But the, the brevity of contracts that have to happen here and Dak Prescott's current cap hit and the bad taste we all have in our mouths makes this team, unfortunately, must-see radio talk. You know? It's just where we are with this team. I've been talking about these contracts for a while. My point in being here today is, A, to talk about this offseason for Dallas, which is, you know, they needed running backs. They need some offensive linemen. They need a lot of defensive linemen in terms of run, run defense. They probably need a young, agile edge rusher to go across from Micah Parsons. And they got to bring back some of their secondary because Stefan Gilmer was one of their best cornerbacks this year, and he's walking away. So every position group probably needs a little bit of help in some manner, whether that's contractual changes, whether that's free agents that are walking away, whether that's poor, poor production that needs to be replaced and upgraded. But it's not a terrible situation. And if you can look past the one playoff game, and that's tough for a lot of people because these are the only games that matter. I don't think we need to overreact too much on this roster. Stay the course, you know, regardless of who the coach is and who's making the operational decisions. For the most part, most of these contracts are going to force them to stay the course. Most of them. Like I said, there's a pretty significant left and right on Dak Prescott. I don't think that's the move, you know, the big change that everybody's talking about. But there could be some others, you know, players like Demarcus Lawrence, some of the offensive linemen. We could see some names fall off that I, ha- that I have not predicted here. But I don't think I would. I don't think I would. I think I would change the way this team is managed on a week-to-week basis. Not so much X's and O's, but the mindset. And I do think Bill Belichick is the right man for that job. So in terms of roster construction and roster manipulation and contract extensions, this would be my approach. And I would simply change the attitude above it and hope that it trickles down and that we get 12 wins in the regular season and four wins in the postseason. In terms of the Packers, I will round back to them quickly. The NFC North is the last division I have to attack in terms of these offseason pieces. I did it on purpose with the Bears and all of them intact. There's a lot of moving parts in this division, as I laid out to you with you, right? Minnesota, I think, is going to run it back with Cousins, with the Jefferson extension, et cetera. We know Green Bay is going to run most of this back, all right? But the likes of Aaron Jones and them could fall off this roster. We know Detroit's going to run that offense back. How much of the defense comes back, we'll see. And we'll certainly be locating some free agents that could attack and upgrade that defense wholesale. Which leaves us to the Bears. And I'm talking this out without having done the homework yet. But I think I know enough to know enough. It's the perfect time for the Bears to start over. Perfect. All right? Because they have all of a sudden slipped back to fourth. They were there probably already, but I think in our minds, we were, we were moving them up the ladder, and certainly in their own minds as well. And they showed glimpses, so did Justin Fields, of being able to climb this ladder. But I think if they read the room, and they read the temperature of some of this room, 
right? Jordan Love is a guy. Jared Goff is going to get a contract extension. Detroit's going to keep this offense together, and they're only going to grow up together because they're young as young and fast as hell. And Minnesota annoyingly wins 10 games every freaking offseason as long or regular season as long as Kirk Cousins is standing up. If they're reading that room, it is the right time to bring in Caleb Williams and prepare for three or four years from now when many of those situations have changed. Now, maybe Jordan Love is still here. Maybe he's even better. Okay. Cousins will be gone at that point. And Minnesota will be into a new iteration of who they are. Jared Goff may still be doing his thing in Detroit, but I'm not sure people would make that bet. Would you? Would you make it the bet that this Detroit situation lasts for three, four more years? It's a tough sell. They're young. But with Goff at the helm, I'm not sure. Right? It's, it's questionable at best. Regardless, the Bears have a chance now to reset their finances, not have to pay Justin Fields, start their rookie clock over with Caleb Williams, allocate a lot of that money that they, were, that they maybe had earmarked for Fields to fortifying the offensive line even more, to bringing in an actual weapon to go next to DJ Moore, to bringing in any kind of running game that they've punted on over the past couple of seasons, to signing Jalen Johnson and fortifying that secondary, which is of utmost importance, and to utilizing Montez Sweat with a defensive line that can actually win games for them. Because they, have, they haven't had that in decades. As long as it's been this, with a quarterback problem, they've had a defensive line problem for just this long. And I'm not placing too much financial value there, but I want depth, that's for sure. And they've already, they've already plugged the hole with Montez Sweat's contract. So now they need to fortify around him. It's going to take time. That's not one offseason. And it never was. So for me, it's always been an easy discussion. This team is not ready yet to pay a $45 million quarterback. They're just not. And they weren't even with the stretch that Fields took down the, down the, the stretch run there. But even more so now, knowing what this division is and just how, how much Jordan Love has, has taken further, I'm dialing it back. I'm dialing it back. And... uh I don't quite understand them gutting the coordinators and leaving the head coach. That's for smarter football people to assess, in my opinion. But I'll put my hat into the, into the roster construction ring, and I'll say there are decent pieces here. Decent. I, I don't love this roster. You know, I don't love them paying $50 million guaranteed to Tremaine Edmonds in the middle of a window where every other position group has holes, even though I love the player. But I'm moving on from Eddie Jackson, okay? I'm moving on from DeMarcus Walker. I'm moving on from Cody Whitehair, okay? I'm happy with Cole Komet and DJ Moore for one more year, even though they're expensive, but I need something for, for Caleb Williams to hang his hat on a little bit here. I'm completely gutting the running back room, even though they're dirt cheap. And I'm going to bring in somebody substantial that can do everything for this roster. And I'm trading Justin Fields. There's four bullets that are going into the NFC North Division Series soon here today. And that's how this is starting for me in Chicago. It's going to look like we're rebuilding. It's not a rebuild. Okay? It's, we're dialing it back. 
because we have an opportunity to take a special quarterback, hopefully. We're going to do that. We're going to get a couple of second-round picks for Justin Fields. We're going to use those to plug many of these holes I just talked about over the next couple of off-seasons. We're not going to overpay for players that are talented but shouldn't be on this roster right now, like the names I just mentioned. And we're going to enter 2025 with $95 million of cap space, and a rookie quarterback on a $6 million cap hit, and we're going to be happy as hell. And by 2027, we should be the team to beat, not just in the NFC North, if we've played our cards right. But to rush things because we have a rookie quarterback contract is incorrect. This team is not ready for Caleb Williams, and you know my philosophy with this. In most cases, I am screaming out loud on a soapbox. <laughs> this team shouldn't even take a quarterback. They should trade back and take a left tackle. I, I just think in this case, if they don't do that, right? If they, do, if they trade back, take a left tackle, it means Justin Fields is probably getting a contract. And I think that's a worse scenario. I think that's the worst scenario. So I'm slow playing Caleb Williams onto this roster. I like a few pieces. I'm trimming a few pieces off. And I'm going to look and operate like Detroit did a while ago. Here's the thing. This is really hard. All right. And even when they get this quarterback, there's going to be such excitement around this team because they don't get these quarterbacks. They are patchwork players usually that come in for the Bears. It's really hard to take it slowly, you know, and they're gonna be, they're gonna be animated to go out there and spend $100 million this off season. And it's just not how we operate, right? You can't build super teams in free agency. Players get to free agency for a reason, you know, and the good ones don't anymore because of the franchise tag. So buyer beware is all I'm saying. Understand what's happening here. Read the room around you divisionally and don't feel obligated to rush Caleb Williams into a situation where he is forced to win. You want to do that with the coach, fine. But not with him, right? The CJ Strouds of the world are rare, really rare. For the most part, the Jordan loves have been the, have been the way to go. Now, I'm not saying sit Caleb Williams because there's not a, there's not a veteran saying it in front of him that can do that. And I don't think keeping Justin Fields for two more years on his rookie contract is the right decision. Although you could argue it. But I do think the Bears should select number one overall, trim back some of their higher contracts, and start to build this process as a young athletic team that can compete in 2027. But that seems a little too logical. So expect much different out of Chicago. All right. That's Dallas. That's Green Bay. That's a little bit of Chicago here as we hit the offseason running. Seven out of the eight offseason pieces are up. The NFC North is coming. I'll give you a preview of what's coming there. Uh, there are plenty of teams that have a lot of work to do, including, by the way, the Buffalo Bills, who will be playing today after their game was postponed with Pittsburgh because of weather. It was bad, by the way. Not crazy. Not the worst I've been in in 40 years of being around here. You didn't even want to get in your car, let alone start to drive in it. All right. The wind was devastating. I lost two pine trees. It was 
not a situation where the NFL and the Bills were being soft. Let's just get that out there. This was, in most cases, right? If you, I'm spoiled because I'm here and I've been living through this my whole life. So I've seen bad and I've seen a couple inches. And I know that there are towns out there that can't even handle a couple inches. Most operations would have been shut down, okay? <laughs> With what Western New York went through over the past 72 hours. So it was, uh, it was worthy of the postponement. It was worthy of the travel bans and making sure that idiots couldn't ruin things and put themselves in life-threatening situations. So the Bills will play today. It's sunny and snowy here. And the Bills have a hell of a lot of work to do once they're done. A hell of a lot of work to do. All right. There are eight starters pending free agency. There are a few roster constructions that can be made, but the team we're about to see play against Pittsburgh right now is going to look very different than the team we see in 2024. Let's put it that way. So a couple of, of uh, division pieces you want to look at for sure. The AFC East is one of them with what the Patriots can do now with how the Miami Dolphins may uh, operate with Jalen Waddle and Tua conversations and uh, certainly how the Bills can flip this roster on the fly to stay relevant in the AFC East going forward. We'll talk some baseball soon. Some basketball trades have started to trickle in. I didn't want to give any, <laughs> any airtime to the worst teams in basketball making a trade, right? That's, uh, that's what happened with the Washington Wizards and the Detroit Pistons yesterday. But, of course, Keith Smith did a thousand, thousand word piece on it. That's live on com right now. And uh, we'll have Dan Solman back on here soon to talk about some of the baseball moves yet to come in the Major League Baseball offseason. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.